point, this was during the year of grand mistakes, which included having the young lady that I was dating had moved into the house because, you know, if you meet someone and you have NRE, the rule is within three months, you move them into the house, right? That's, that's what you do. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 80. That's eight zero. Woohoo! We're almost to 100. Kind of. Kind of. Anyway. We're 80% of the way there. I know. It's exciting. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Norm, who is amazing. Is that all you're going to say? I was. I thought you were going to chime in. He's amazing. We have a really candid discussion about how he views relationships and how he navigates it with his different partners. And some of the hilarious yes. mishaps he's had over the years. So anyway, it's a fantastic story. Him and his wife have been together for 30 years, and they've been exploring non-monogamy for the last couple. And uh, it's a great, great discussion. One one quick thing that comes up, actually a couple of things. The first is uh, there is an event that he's helping host out in the Washington, D.C. area called Polyamory in the American Finance System, which is hosted by somebody that he met at, uh, or that we met, I guess, all of us met. Atlanta at, Poly Weekend. At Atlanta Poly Weekend. So, there's going to be links in the show notes for all of the different things that Norm works on for supporting the poly community. But the specific event that we reference in this episode is on September 22nd, 2019. So mark your calendars, buy your plane tickets. <laughs> and uh, one other thing that comes up in this a few times is he uses the acronym DMV, which is not the Department of Motor Vehicles. It, in this case, well, it, it is, but in, in this case, in this case, it stands for DC, Maryland, Virginia specifically the greater D.C. uh, metro area. Yeah. That's all. That's all we need to tell you. Yeah. And I think that's it for this episode right now. But tonight, we got something happening tonight. I know. Tonight, we have our next, our second, actually, second one of the Patreon Q&A with the two of us is at 9 p.m. tonight on August 21st and 9 p.m. Eastern. So if you're listening to this a day late, well... We're sorry. You'll catch the next one. There will be another one in a month. So. so We're super excited about it. We can't wait to see everybody there tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and if you're interested in joining and aren't part of our Patreon yet, go check it out. Uh, you can join the call tonight for just $2 a month. So. Yep, links in the show notes like everything else. All right, real quick. A couple tele- other announcements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're excited about this one, but I'll do mine first. So, we wanted to just quickly mention that uh, if you listen to this, if you've listened to the show before, you know that we are huge proponents of getting tested for STIs and knowing your status and and making it easy to do. Yes, and and cheap. Yes. 
cheaper. So we uh, have used and love the resource stdcheck.com and you can find links to that in our, on our website and it you can also get $10 off. And now this process makes it super simple. You go online, you sign up, you pay and you select a lab court or other testing facility near you. You go and give a blood and urine sample and then you get resu- your results in a few days. Yeah, and real quick, if you've used this and we know lots of you have, like please go onto our website on the contact us page and leave us a little voicemail about your experience because the more people that tell us their story, the more people are willing to go and do it and the more people are getting tested and and being willing to talk about it in the community. So it's just to make the community better. So yep. thank you for your help in advance. Yes. And if you use the links on our website, it does support the show. So thank you for that too. All right. So I have one last thing. It's <laughs> it's not an advertisement for anything. Well, it is. I was like, hey, yes, it is. <laughs> but we're not getting paid for it. We're not associated with these people at all in any way, shape, or form. It's just something cool. It's This is something that every once in a while something happens, and it's important to tell people about the thing that happened. Yes. So we were at some friend's house a couple of weeks ago. And I don't like, well, they were making drinks for people. Yes. And I don't. Finn is a little picky. I'm not picky. I don't like bourbon and I don't like blueberries. Yeah, you're crazy. But anyway. Do you you like bourbon? Yeah. No, you don't. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) So anyway, this friend mixed up. Uh, they they pulled out what is called Horball's drinking vinegar. That's H-O-R-B-A-L-L-S, drinking vinegar. And they literally just mixed vinegar and bourbon and some ice. And, like, again, I don't like blueberries and I don't like vinegar. Oh, I do like vinegar. I don't, I don't, I don't like bourbon. Anyway, the point is it was blueberry lemon vinegar. Lemon blueberry. Lemon yes. blueberry. Blueberry lemon, I think. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it was delicious. So if you are looking to make fancy drinks but not have fancy drink skills, check this stuff out. I was like, this makes you have fancy drink skills. Yeah, but it makes you look fancier than you are. It even says, so their they're About Us page on their website is hilarious. And it's just, just really quick, two things I'm going to read from it because it's funny. So first of all, it says... Horballs is the completely necessary vanity project of four totally normal guys from Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Down the lower, it says, We are scientists by day who optimize recipes for a living. By night, we drink. It's a pretty funny... It, their, their website is hilarious. Check out everything they've got. There's links in the show notes and... There's some links to their Amazon products. Yeah, and it's the Horrible is also known as Shrubs, too, yeah, if you've heard that term. Shrubs. We didn't. We don't know anything about it. <laughs> we didn't. We learned. But they've got, they got four flavors. They all look delicious. Well, actually, none of them look delicious to me, but I, do, I liked the one that I didn't think looked delicious, so that's my sales pitch for something that we're not getting paid to sell. <laughs> but the links will be on our uh, show notes for this episode. I really envision that being shorter. You you could go on a little bit about it. So now that you're all asleep, let's go talk to Norm. Yeah. Enjoy this interview, everyone. Welcome, Norm, to the not normalizing non the non normalizing. I almost messed up the name of our own podcast. Off to a good start here. We so we met we met you a couple weeks back at the Atlanta Poly Weekend and have been in touch since then. And so. Yeah, excited to have you on. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Great to be here. And thanks for following up, too. So uh, I guess maybe 
what were you doing at Atlanta Poly Weekend that, or what are you doing on our show? We have no idea. We don't know anything about you. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, I'm, I'm a poly kinky guy. Um, I was at Atlanta Poly Weekend because I listened to a lot of podcasts on poly. Um, and Michael Haig does Probably Polly, mm-hmm. and he plugged APW on his show, and I was like, it's a conference about Polly. Sure, I'll spend a weekend doing that. So that kind of got me got me there. I've been Polly since June 2013, and I've hit enough. So I, I practice non-hierarchical Polly, so uh, I'm endeavoring to have strong emotional connections with people. Uh, some are romantic, some are sexual, and, and together we're growing a bigger family. And I work very hard in order to make sure that each relationship has its own autonomy. And I make a lot of mistakes. Because A, I'm kind of an asshole, and B, um, you know, I, I, I'm programmed and grew up in monogamy, and so there's a lot of assumptions I have about how things are in a relationship, and it, it bleeds into not just the relationship that I started with, but all of my relationships. I find I'm like, oh, now that I'm just with this person, these things behave in a way that you would expect when you're in a monogamous relationship. But if you think about it, it's like, oh, I'm taking agency away from someone else when I'm doing this. I'm, I'm revealing something I shouldn't. So, so I do a lot of processing. And, and to do that, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I go to a lot of discussion groups and we, we run some discussion groups so that I can get all of that stuff out there and try to deal with things in, in, in an ethical way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah. maybe if you could back up and maybe give listeners a little bio of, of who who is Norm, and then maybe we can get back and talk to, like, how did you get into this back in 2013? Oh, geez. Um, so Norm grew up as an Orthodox Jew in Queens, New York. <laughs> um, if you had asked him, uh, he, w- he was probably going to be a rabbi <laughs> and studied a lot of Judaic things, Old Testament stuff, and um, now I am very much not that. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of the mental exercises that one does in uh, analyzing of of, uh, of of the biblical texts that create a way of critically thinking about stuff that has served me pretty well in becoming poly. We opened up in June, 2013. Uh, that's like in my status at work on our private messages. It's like living the dream since June, 2013. And people, people who ask get told the story, <laughs> but um, my wife suffers from depression. And so she's had a lot of peaks and valleys in her life with her physical, with her physicality and how she approaches sex. So there was one point where my son was uh, having some dental surgery. Uh, he had to be, he had to be put under for it. So she was in a waiting room and I needed to go get some food because the whole intake process took much too long. And she was left alone and she's off to the internet saying, all right, motherfuckers, entertain me. And she ended up getting hooked up to some erotica. And if you talk about her sexuality and peaks and valleys, she like hit a total peak. And then later that week, she sits me down and says, so we've always talked about the fact that 
what happens at the con stays at the con when we travel individually, which is something neither of us ever practiced, but we'd always say it to each other, you know, have a good time, do whatever you want, just come home to your loved one. Um, but no one ever about that. But she sat down and she's like, what if we actually did that sort of thing? And I'm just like, yeah, sure, whatever you want, baby. So that, and, that's how and, we became poly. Yeah, and well, the conventions that you were going to were not necessarily non-monogamy conventions at that point at all. Oh, they, they were non-monogamy conventions. Uh, no, uh, for me, she was going to like uh, sci-fi author kind of conventions with her friends. Um, I was going to comic book and gaming conventions because I'm a big-ass nerd. Um, mm-hmm. Like, It's very rare for anyone to see me in a shirt that's not Superman. So <laughs> it's, it's my thing. Yeah. So yeah, and you know, like... Like my parents who have been together since they were children and never travel anywhere or do anything without the other unless they have to like go to work or something like that, uh, they could never understand when we were, and this is when we were young, again, long before Polly, you know, I would go to my gaming stuff and I'd spend the weekend away and then Rachel would go and be doing her thing and my mom would be on the phone going, so who's watching the kids? I'm like, I'm, I'm watching the kids. I'm, and she, she didn't understand why we would leave each other. I'm like, because we got our own shit to do. Yeah. So we've always had this, you know, we are two individuals in a wonderful, loving relationship. And it just, Polly fits that very nicely. Where yeah. We're still two individuals who love each other. Uh, we've been together since 1989. And I would say in those 30 years, we have been at least five different people to each other just the way relationships change. So um, of, of everybody on the planet, she and I are a very good match because we change with each other. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, you do change throughout the course of a relationship. And so it is important to change with each other if that relationship's going to work. But, yep. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So in 2013, you said you got, um, she kind of had an awakening and you started down that poly journey. How did that look like in the beginning? Did you just jump right in and start dating other people or did you take some other steps first? Uh, So she became one of the few live women on Ashley Madison. So -hmm. she had some fun there. I had a female person that I knew from the conventions who would always joke with me, oh, if only you weren't married. And I was like, hey, guess what? (laughs) I'm married, but um, she and I got together a few times. And then there was one time that after we had dinner, we were we were starting to, you know, hang out and we were getting undressed and we were just laying in bed afterwards. And I just was kind of talking about some stuff that was going on with my family. And she was like, oh, I don't need to hear any of that. I just want this to be us. And I was like, oh, this is the last time we're sleeping together. Because to me, it's like, I, I enjoy sex and I, I can certainly have sex for sex's own sake, but I want to have relationships. I want to be connected with someone and to connect with me is all of me. It's not, it's not just the part that we are doing. Like I am the sum of my parts and I I have to have that whole connection. Right. When when you first started, it it sounds like, again, you've talked about like you had a lot of autonomy and did you lay out rules about how you two were going to approach this or was it like, Let's just go and see what happens, see what comes our way. It was more, it was more organic that we were, we didn't have any rules per se. Um, We had some safety protocols, like the first time you meet someone, uh, it has to be in public. 
It has to be in a public place. I'm good. She again. This was happening with her much more than me, because um, there were a lot more men than women on Ashley Madison, believe it or not. <laughs> so uh, we we would have again, you know, safe calls. I need to know where you're going. I didn't need to know, but I'm gonna know where you're going. If you're gonna meet up for a second date, and that's gonna be at a hotel, you're gonna tell me what hotel, what room, and all that. And you know, so so that was in place, but that was just because you don't know who the fuck you're meeting on the internet. So yeah. it was, it, it was for safety more than I need to know where you are. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that crazy shit came later. <laughs> so when we were just kind of like branching out and having, she was having a lot of these one-offs and I was with R for a little bit. And during that time, we didn't need a lot of rules because there wasn't much happening at home. I remember when she first started entertaining gentlemen at home, we kind of talked about it and we agreed not in our bed. And that wasn't a sanctity of the marriage bed kind of thing, but she didn't want to have to go through that much laundry on a day-to-day basis. So it was more of a practical thing than than uh, the safety of our bed. When we started growing relationships, we ended up in this weird place where it's, I can't remember having a conversation where it was a rule per se, but we always slept together in our bed. And if we had a partner who was going to sleep over that night, they had to be okay with also being in that bed. So California Kings are key in Polly. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it would be in alternate uh, uh, gender order. So whoever had the partner, that person was going to be in the middle and the partner and, and the spouse would be in the opposite. And we did that. And, and it worked fine. It led to some group activity fun, which was good for everybody. Yeah. Um, but it was, I, reflecting on it, it, again, I can't remember it ever being discussed as we shall have this as our rule, but it is something that just kind of always happened. Right? Yeah. Have, have those rules shifted over the years? Oh, very much. Because like the first year of Polly was what we call our year of grand mistakes. It was just, it was, it was actually 14 months and, and we opened in June 13 by August 14, uh, everything fucking exploded. All the other relationships that we had, uh, were ended either, either by circumstance or by just this has to end right now. The kindest thing Rachel ever did for me was she actually executed the breakup with the girl I was dating at that time because I could not do it. Every time I had the conversation, I'd come back saying, no, no, everything's going to be better. And then like three days later, it's just starting up again with the fights. And it was a two-week cycle over and over. And I was just, I was just miserable. And she cut that cord for me. She, she was very kind. Um, <laughs> But in August, things kind of came to a head, and those relationships that were really creating a lot of negative energy in the entire family, not just between the two of us, but with the kids and everything else, we, we kind of took this step back and tried to figure out how are we actually going to approach this. Uh, I spent about three months not dating anybody else and just kind of considering what did I want my poly family to look did I want my poly family did, did is that really what I wanted yeah. and and if it is what I wanted what is that going to look like in a in a generic because what I didn't want to do is say you know the perfect poly family will have 
two guys and four women. And like, I didn't want a prescribed structure for what it would get, it was going to be, but I did want to be able to have something that was descriptive that would say, you know, you're going to have autonomy. People are going to be able to do what they're going to do with each other and have communication avenues to be able to talk about the things that they want to be able to talk about with each of their partners. Um, so that kind of awakening for me was was at, at the end of 2014. So by the time I got to that point in time, like around December 2014, is when things started going much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was when I was dating, it was more me dating than me dating. And by the way, I have this wife, and she's part of the picture. I wasn't hiding the wife; she was part of the conversation. But I know that the people that I dated during the first year, even though Rachel wasn't there on the date, you had to get to know her through me and know that you were going to be good with that. And now, when I meet people, I can talk about Rachel. Uh, most of the people I meet have known Rachel through other means, uh, so they know who I'm with. But it's not—it's not super. Like, it's important to me that all of my partners are able to socialize with each other. It's. A- important to me that I can socialize with my metamors and 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 the met two mores and the met three mores and however far it goes like we love hosting big dinners we love putting the whole polycule together and I don't want a situation where we're not going to invite this branch of the polycule because that branch of the polycule is going to be there and things never go well when they're together everyone's got to be able to be you know polite and social yeah that's probably a rule but I I have yet to meet someone who doesn't look at that and say, yes, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. sure. Uh, So you you kind of, you guys sort of just jumped into it and without any rules. And like you said, it kind of blew up a year and a half later. And then you sort of tore it down to the foundation and, and built it back up. And did she change how she approached it as well? Cause it sounds, it sounds like you were both kind of like, you were looking for more relationships and, and maybe I read into it too easily, but it was hers were more sexual based or was that? That, that was at the very beginning. By, okay. I would say by, by, by the end of that first year, by December ish, she had started to date on a more regular basis and had stopped. Like we were having the conversations about the fact that, you know, you're enabling people who are cheating. Are you okay with that? She's like, well, I'm not cheating. They're cheating. And you can get into the ethics of that. And, and ultimately it came down to, are you ready to have the conversation with a woman who discovers who you are? And, and I I don't like, I I don't want to, speak for her mind. I I believe she was prepared for that conversation, but decided she didn't want to have to be ready for that conversation. So, so that's kind of where she scaled back. She started going out with, (laughs) she started going out with squid um, and, and squid. I, I, it's interesting how many men she meets that assume that because we're open, she and I are done. And, and like, we're not, we're not connected to each other. We're just, we're just going through, we're just staying together for the kids or staying together for finances. She meet she, especially during that, that first year or so, she met a lot of guys who just assumed like that. And, and squid was like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part about squid was I discovered that he and I take the same train in the morning to go into the city. So uh-huh. he, I just, 
I never noticed him before, but I have a seat where I sit regularly and he sits in the car before me. So I would walk right by and I was was like, holy shit, that's squid. And I would just start (laughs) sitting next to him and be like, hey man, I just tried to talk the whole way in. He was clearly uncomfortable and it made me giddy as hell. Um, (laughs) That, that, you know, I I had this connection with this guy. He didn't want anything to do with me on that train. I still see him very rarely now. I think he changed his schedule. (laughs) Because of you. (laughs) You, whatever the reasons are, but heeah. yeah. yeah. um, so yeah. he's not on my train as much before. Yeah. That's funny. She was starting to date for relationships. Again, I say this without judgment. Some of her criteria was, oh, look, he has a cool motorcycle. And she would, she would date that guy because he had a cool motorcycle. Um, so she, she was having a lot of fun. But it, wasn't, it, it was less casual within a few months of being yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, we, we won't. We won't drill you about her. We'll get her on here and let her fend for herself. Someday. Yeah. So no, well, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so after you said like the year and a half of grand mistakes, and then you, you kind of um, took a break and you start, started back into it. So then I guess how you, you said your rules have changed. How have you, I guess, figured out, a, what does it work? What does your relationship looks like? Relationships look like now, and how did you kind of get there? So a lot of that was doing reading uh, between, I'd say, starting in. I did some reading in July of 2014 when when we had a particularly, I had a particularly bad bad day. Um, that's when I started reading more than two. And, mm-hmm. and when I got through the jealousy chapter, I snapped my fingers and said, okay, this is what I can do. And and I, I'm not great with reading nonfiction. So one of the things that we've done is we started a book club and that forces me to read the books because I want to read the books. I just hate doing it. So yeah. with, with a discussion group, it motivates me because I love doing discussion groups. Um, so we, we're, 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 we've been doing that. So things like more than two, uh, and reading the game changer in particular, uh, really spoke to me and reading the game changer is where I, I pointed to, uh, one of the scenes in the book where, um, one of Franklin Bowe's partners turns to him and says, I won't say I love you because it's not safe to say I love you because of all the hierarchy in your life. And I'm like, Ray, this, we can't have that. We can't let people not have that kind of feelings. And so from there, it became almost a quest for when we do our relationships, how do we avoid hierarchy? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's been a steady progression. I mean, we're, that was 2014. So it's five years later. And at this point in our lives, Rachel and I have separate bedrooms, not because we are distant from one another, but because it makes our ability to entertain our partners require no one get discombobulated. Mm-hmm. I don't need to throw in, in fact, we get discombobulated. One of us gets discombobulated when we have our date nights because one of us is going to take clothes and and contact lenses and toothbrushes from one room to the other room. Like we get inconvenienced when we're together, <laughs> but we have our separate spaces so that partners can have autonomy. I can I can decide how the drawers in the dressers in my room get used. So if green eyes need space, I'd what my dressers get used for if mm-hmm. if if um one of rachel's partners needs space then she could figure out what in the what in, in her bedroom can go to that space yeah yeah 
So I'm curious then, I mean, clearly there's been some massive changes in your relationship, right? Physically speaking, right? You have two separate bedrooms now. Have you seen other things change in your relationship, whether it was for the better or for the worse since you, since you've made these shifts into the non-hierarchical approach? Like is, have you seen like things get better between the two of you that you weren't expecting or, or unexpected um, yeah, well, A, I'm much less of an asshole these days. Um, my, <laughs> okay. be, before I was poly, I would regularly, my, my, my job reviews regularly would need to address my anger issues because before I was poly, I did not really understand how to manage my emotions. And I just would react. If I got upset with someone, I would react. And that could have been a coworker. That could have been my kids. That could have been my wife. It didn't matter. If if I had a, if I had a feeling and it was a strong feeling, well, that must be truth. That must be reality. So whatever I'm doing in response to that, it's not my fault. I'm just responding to reality. And Polly has taught me that that's no way to behave. Um, so I'm much like even now when I'm on the phone with a telemarketer, my son still gets triggered just because I'm on the phone with a telemarketer or an operator. Like if I'm dealing with someone who's a random stranger on the phone and I'm having a perfectly normal conversation, even if I'm, I'm not getting what I want. So I'm using guiding language to say, well, is this what you mean? Or is that what you mean? Like I want precision for where is my damn package? He still gets triggered that that is the old me. That's, that's me. I'm about to, I'm about to lose my shit and get angry and he's going to want to run and hide. Um, yeah. But that, that's something that I know that I've grown. I mean, like I said, I don't really like reading nonfiction, but I have read a lot about nonviolent communication, active listening. All, I, I, I could throw out buzzwords all freaking day, but I, I know a lot of that stuff now and I know the right way to behave. So that's, that's something really positive that's happened for me out of Bali. Mm-hmm. And it has bled into other areas. I haven't had an anger issue at work in at least four or five years because, well, first of all, at work don't matter. I'm building a family. So the work is just funding what I got to do anyway. Yeah. And, and in terms of negatives, I, I think for Rachel and I in particular, there's been, I wouldn't say it's negatives, but it's been growing pains because here we've spent 20 odd years as one where, you know, we were just no question that this is ours and getting to a point where it's like, okay, we need to, we need to not treat this as ours or that's going to overlap into her relationship with someone else or my relationship. And so just getting that extricating has been a painful experience. Mm -hmm. There've been a lot of times where um, I have felt loss because because my partner wasn't going to be there and I needed to be okay with that because it was her time to not be there. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess how, how do you make time to foster like your, the relationship with your wife now? I know you have like separate bedrooms, but, and you try to treat our relationships the same. So how do you, what effort do you make to, I guess with your wife, but also with your other partners, how do you balance all of that with, I just just want to correct something. Mm -hmm. I can't treat all relationships the same. My relationship with Rachel is 30 years old. There's no way that that's ever going to be the same as something that's only five years old, that's only two years old. Um, I try to have each relationship have 
its own autonomy to be what it is. Yeah. Um, so the way I manage that is um, we use a calendar. We have a group calendar and my time, which is always my time, and her time is her time, and and Green Eyes' time is Green Eyes' time, and and my partner's and Rachel's boyfriend M, his time is his time. All of these times are listed on one calendar together. So I can always go to the calendar and know if I'm free or if I'm not free. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and I can if if my, if I'm free, I can schedule my time. If I Mm -hmm. want to go on a date with a new person, I can look at the uh, cozy calendar and see I'm not doing anything on Thursday night. Therefore, I could set up this date or if I'm not. And so with the two partners I have right now that are full time, that are with the two people that I'm currently romantically entangled with, uh, we have, uh, let's see, I'm with Green Eyes once a week uh, on the weekdays and we are typically together on one day, at least one day every weekend. And Rachel has uh, one night a week with her platonic part, platonic life partner and one night a week with M. And that usually turns into two nights. She, she's usually with him on Monday, on Friday nights and then also on Saturday nights. But that Saturday night is not set. If I wanted that Saturday night, if I had something available, if there isn't something specific on the calendar, I would reach out to her and say, hey, can we do this thing? Or she would reach out to me and say, can we do this thing? Right. So it's just it's, it's just running your calendar and looking yeah. at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I, and I think something you touched on there was important about uh, when people hear non-hierarchical and that you, the, again, the assumption is immediately that every relationship is on an equal playing field. And I think it is in the sense that you give them the freedom to do that, but that that not necessarily every relationship is, again, like you said, it's it's not going to be an equal relationship just because you have so much history with one person. And, you know, if you start dating someone new this week, that person isn't all automatically equal to your wife of 30 years. Or, or the person that, or, or with green eyes with whom I've been together with for for about three years yeah and and also my relationship with rachel is is equal power like i don't have any power over her she has none over me whereas my relationship with green eyes is a ds relationship so there are dynamics in play there which when i meet someone new and we're getting together uh the question is you know what's that dynamic going to look like and whatever it is it's going to be what's right for that relationship I, Mm i i i there was a period of time where I would I would say I really enjoy doing power exchange and I'm poly, so I foresee all of my future relationships will be power exchange related. And then I went on a date with a woman and she was great and I really liked her and I wanted to go out with her again. And she's like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to date romantically because I don't do power exchange. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's that's definitely not what I'm looking for. But as I was driving home from that date, I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. Why did I make such a weird line for myself? Here I met someone. She was great. I liked her. And because I had this silly idea that all of my relationships, except the one with Rachel, should be with power exchange, well, I don't know why it needed to look like that. So I try to be very open and not have conditions on each relationship mm-hmm. um, and and just handle each relationship as it comes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you handled, I guess, your friends and family, um, surrounding this being, becoming poly? Have you been pretty open and honest about it throughout the whole journey? Or is it something that, um, you've had to keep hidden for a while or I guess, how have you handled it? So I've never really had a good filter. That's just, that's just, that's just me. I've just always been a big blabbermouth. And there was, there's a cafeteria in my office building. So there's a group of us who get together for breakfast every day. So literally within 48 hours of Rachel suggesting that we start having sex with other people, I went into work the next day and say, you guys will not believe what Rachel's idea was this weekend. And so as a result, I've always been at least partially open about Polly because it's always been Monday morning has been story time to hear what crazy fucking shit Norman has hit because we went from being open and within a few months after that, we discovered kink, which is by the way, all those letters in penthouse, maybe those were actually happening. I, I can't dismiss it anymore because I found this building where you go in and people are getting whipped and they're fucking. And it's this whole magic kingdom of, of, of teenage sexuality. And so my friends have been on that journey and they are all vanilla and monogamous. And there are certain points in the story where they'll put up their hand that that's, they've hit their limit on what they can know. Um, but but I've always been open. I've always been out. So with my parents, my parents were going to come for a visit. And at that point, this is during the year of grand mistakes, which included having the young lady that I was dating had moved into the house. Because, you know, if you meet someone and you have NRE, the rule is within three months, you move them into the house, right? That's, exactly. that's what you that's do. Our, that's okay. our rule, too. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she was living here. And we were down in Florida visiting my parents. And we had also recently purchased a dog. Well, we adopted a dog. Adopt dog, save a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we had recently adopted a dog, the first dog we had ever adopted. My daughter really wanted a dog, and I thought if I get her a dog, she'll come around on Polly. Because again, that makes sense too, doesn't it? I was a fucking idiot a lot of my life. Um, so. While we're visiting my folks in Florida, back home, my girlfriend is taking care of my dog, and my parents are going to come and visit. My mom hates dogs. So I'm like, okay, Ray, we need to tell my parents two things on this trip. We need to tell them we got a dog, and we need to tell them about my girlfriend living in the house. And so we had told my parents that we needed to talk to them when we were down there. We get to Florida, and... um my sister is there in the house and we figure, okay, fine. And we start telling my mom and my dad about the dog and my mom loses her shit. She is like, why would you do that? Let me see a picture. Oh my God. He's huge. Is that a Rottweiler? Why would you have a, such a dangerous dog? Like we had to spend a half hour, 40 minutes talking about what was going on with the dog, why we had a dog, justifying the dog, explaining the dog. and. Eventually, the question became, well, who's taking care of the dog now? Yeah. And I, I didn't want to have the conversation with my sister right there. So I said, we'll talk about that later. And so yeah, we were going to dinner one night, and it's just the four of us in the car, my parents and me and Ray. And we're like, okay. So the 
the story is this. And we tell them about the fact that there's a girlfriend living there and that we're, we're having an open marriage and that we're having these relationships. And one of them has been doing really well, was doing really well and was living with us. And they kind of like paused and they're quiet. They had a couple of questions, but I looked at my watch after 10 minutes, they were done. And I'm like, you know, it took them four times longer to get their head around the dog. <laughs> and I was having a girl who lived in our house in my bedroom. Yeah. Like, that to me, that was that was very typical of my parents just getting caught on the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, so the number one takeaway is if you're gonna tell your family first, get a get dog. A dog. <laughs> Well, generally with bad news, what you want to do is you got to figure out what the bad news is. You got to somehow generate bad news that isn't as bad as that. And yeah. that way you can kind of lead into it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or bad news that's worse than that. So when you, <laughs> so you, tell them the, you tell them the real bad shit and then you're like, well, hey, but don't worry. We're awesome. also, we also are living with my new partner. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, have they had more questions over the years or not many? They had a few questions when we came out to them in, in 2014. And since then, let's just say we've grown more distant. Yeah. Um, in 2015 or 2016 or so, I'm trying to remember when it was. A couple of years ago, um, we were having a discussion group in, in January about what does one do for Valentine's Day when one's poly? So, you know, hierarchical people do it their way and non-hierarchical people are doing what they can to juggle. And I just had a sudden vision, which is that Valentine's Day is not a day in which families do things together. Like you never hear about having a big, you know, biological get together, biological family get together for, for, for Valentine's Day. Yeah, and in fact, when you think about it, a lot of people's parents don't do squat for Valentine's Day. So at this point in time, I had, I had three partners, including Rachel, and I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to invite all of our bio families to come to Maryland and have a big poly Thanksgiving. We're going to turn Valentine's Day into poly Thanksgiving. And, and Rachel's parents weren't going to be able to make it because they were going to be traveling around the country. And uh, my other girlfriend's uh, their families couldn't make it. Uh, some were in Iowa, some were in Tennessee, and they just couldn't make the trip. Yeah. But my parents told me that they wouldn't make the trip because if oh. they made the trip, it might imply that they approve of what we're doing and they don't. And yeah. I said, oh, okay. So it's been a little strange since then. Yeah, uh, yeah, understandably so. But, oh, that yeah. sucks. So they, were, they didn't ask a ton of questions. But they also aren't in support, which is well, which is okay. Like of of my siblings, I'm the one that has needed my parents in a practical way very minimally. I've I've I've, I've always been the independent kid, so mm -hmm. it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Did, so, did you end up having the poly Valentine's Day? Thing? Well, we had dinner. I mean, we did the polycule dinner. We just had yeah. no one. We just had no family there, and it wasn't yeah. until uh, not last Thanksgiving, but the one before. So that'd be 2017. Um, for Thanksgiving, we have traditionally uh, always gone to Rachel's family. Mm -hmm. So she has a sister. So between her parents, her sister, and us, the Thanksgiving dinner kind of 
moves around the triangle all around the country. So in twenty in twenty seventeen it was our year to host, and we hosted, and the Polycule was invited as well. So her family met the Polycule, and again Rachel's also out to her parents. We we've always been out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a matter of okay, this is this is what it is, and uh, her her family is very accepting. They're very liberal minded, and you know it's I wouldn't choose to do this, but as long as everybody's happy, super. Yeah, uh, I think her her parents have more questions. They worry about the finance side of things more than anything else. Yeah, um, which again, where they come from, I understand. Yeah. Um, and from the finance side of things, it's like there there isn't any issue. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, good. I'm glad they're supportive. So I I like you've talked about a lot of different things, and like the person moving in after three months is <laughs> super fascinating. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I won't get hung up there. So, <laughs> but it's, so it sounds like you know everything you've talked about. It has been. There's been a lot of challenges, and I think that's to be expected, right? Relationships can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Ours isn't, but I've heard other people's are. Um, yeah, it's kind of ironic to say that. <laughs> but the. I guess have you found things that being polyamorous makes easier for you or for Rachel? I, I would avoid talking for Rachel as much as I can because that just gets mm-hmm. me in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess I, it, Polly has made my ability to uh, set boundaries a lot easier. Again, pre-Polly, big asshole. I, I would set my boundaries by just being very passive aggressive and angry and pushing pushing away versus now I can kind of take a moment and think about it and be like, mm, okay, if you're going to be like, if that's your decision about what you want to do, then I need to do this for me. We had, Rachel was becoming friends with another woman and Rachel was dating that woman's boyfriend and through one night where the two women were having some conversation, they thought it would be a great idea if Rachel and I came over to uh, her house and that she and her husband played with me and Ray. And having learned a little bit about swing from listening to your podcast, I can describe that it was a it was a full swap, which is, <laughs> which is not language I would have had a month ago. Um, well, let's get it. You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned. I learned. And after that night, there was a ton of drama coming from the the the, the other the, the female partner, and Rachel was 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 very willing and 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 I don't know if I have, she was managing the communication and emotions her emotions and trying to be apologetic for where she had felt she might have misstepped and I was just like no she's fucking crazy I don't want anything to do with this and so that was one of the first instances I can remember where I said if you're going to continue to see them that's fine you do what you want to do but I want some notice before they're going to be here in the house because I'm going to not be here in the house. And so I saw a lot of movies over the next month, month and a half, because whenever they were over, I'm like, I'm going to go see something in the fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a way of um, diffusing the situation, right? And not making like, well, and you it, gave her her autonomy. I, right. Exactly. I wasn't responsible for any of the drama. The drama in particular was so, so, I, I am not, I would never identify myself as primal. 
but whatever was going on between Rachel and the husband was fucking primal. Now, I'm, I am a bit of a voyeur, and so the wife and I, we were doing our thing, and at a certain point, we're, in, we're up to cuddle time, and, and Rachel and the husband are still, like, rolling all around and tearing at each other and scratching and biting, and, and, and me, I'm like, this is so hot. And the next morning, I learned that those were not her thoughts. Her yeah. thoughts were... Why are they fucking doing this? Now, she, she had a lot, she had some back issues. She literally could not play like that. Right. So I can imagine his, for his her partner, to see yeah. that, to yeah. see that her partner was loving and enjoying something so physical that she couldn't do could probably hit her yeah, emotionally. Yeah, for sure. So I, where I extricated myself from this whole thing was when she sent me a text saying, don't you think it was so rude of them to do X and Y and Z? I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I thought it was fucking hot. And she wrote back saying, well, I guess I don't need to talk to you about it anymore. And I'm like, no, no, you don't. And I, I, I talked about it already. I'm like, I don't think I need to talk about it with her anymore either. I, I just wanted away from all that drama. Yeah, so you know, it makes sense. I, I was just, yeah, so I was just like, if yeah. you could deal with this, more power to you. But I'm, yeah. I'm not exposing myself to it. Yeah, and you didn't take it away from her. You just said, you do your thing and just let me know so I can escape. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so obviously that, that wasn't a trigger for any type of jealousy for you. Have you, have you experienced anything that you found that, that does cause jealousy or anything coming up like that? So I have experienced jealousy. I have a good jealousy story. Uh, generally nowadays though, I would say I experience envy pretty frequently. I, I, I don't think I ever really experience a, a situation where I want that instead of you, which yeah. is how I talk about jealousy, but I will meet a lot of people. I have, I have a friend who lives about two miles up the street. He's got his own dungeon. He throws parties and I am envious. I wish I had the wood making skills that he had. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to be able to do the kinds of things he can do. He's a he's a master craftsman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now my jealousy story goes back to the year grand mistakes. <laughs> um, Some good stories this year. <laughs> uh, there's always good stories. Uh, I, I learned that when I was a kid. It's everybody has an exciting life. It's just a question of being able to tell the stories of your life. It's yeah. It, there's always something to tell. It's just a matter of seeing it and phrasing yeah. it. Oh yeah. Um. So my son needed to go for the to the ER. And I promised them I wouldn't talk about why on the podcast. I'll just say it's fucking hilarious. Okay, you need to go to the ER. <laughs> it was July 4th, and it was about 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Now, Rachel and her partner from the year of Grand Mistakes were up at the sex club. Rachel was teaching a naked yoga class, and that was turning. And, and after that class was over, it was going to be a play party, and they were going to stay for the play party. So Rachel's co-yoga instructor was a woman that wanted to play with me and the partner that I I had living at the house. So I was going to have my first organized three-way that did not include my wife. And I was super excited about that. So the plan was that I would take uh, my girlfriend and my son to the fireworks and then we'd come home and then uh, Rachel and her boyfriend would come home and they would bring the other woman to the house and then Rachel and her partner would go to her room and I'd go to my room and it's great fun for everybody. Now I got to pause and say at this time, 
I had a mentor from the kink lifestyle who said, there are things you need to do in order to keep your family safe. So you need to have an app on everybody's phone so you know who's where all the time. You need to have cameras in your house so you can make sure you know who's doing what wherever they are in the house. Now, all of our cameras that got put in were visible. There was no one in the house who didn't know where they were, but they were there. And one of them was in the room that Rachel stayed in with her boyfriend. So Jack needs to go to the ER. So instead of going to fireworks, we go to the ER. And that took a good six, seven hours. So by the time I realized that I'm not getting home till after midnight, I'm texting Ray and I'm saying, don't bother bringing E back to the house because I'm not going to be in any shape to do anything when, when I get there. So I had to cancel what I was very much looking forward to. So finally, my son gets discharged. He's still groggy from being put under. He goes into the back of the car and he's passing out. I'm driving home from the hospital. It's about a half hour drive. It's a very, it, it's, it's July 4th at like one o'clock in the morning. There's nobody on the fucking road. So as I'm driving, I take my phone and I put it on the dashboard and I just call up the camera app just so I can make sure that, you know, girlfriend up to what's going on in the house and there on the camera in the room that my wife's in is her and her partner and a young lady that they picked up at the club and to see that three-way happening in my house when I wasn't going to get the three-way that I had had planned that completely overwhelmed me yeah. and I was fuming when I got home, which, of course, Rachel had no idea because she was downstairs having a great time. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend didn't know because when she asked me what was going on, I just basically told her to go the fuck back to sleep and I didn't want to talk about it. And I probably spent the next two and a half hours pacing around the bedroom, practicing how I was going to tell Rachel how unacceptable this was, how, what bullshit all of this was, how what an asshole her boyfriend was and that this poly experiment was just fucking done. And that was the hardest night for me to get through. Cause I was just so certain that this was not working. And it, it took hours of me talking to myself to where I got to a point where I was like, you know, you're just being a big fat baby because you didn't get what you wanted. And that what you wanted, the fact that you wanted it and didn't get it, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't Rachel's fault. You could probably point your finger at, the, at your son and say it's his fault for what he did that led to him having to go to the ER. But he's just a kid. What the fuck does he know? Yeah. So I ultimately talked myself down off the ledge that I had to accept that what's not mine to control is not mine to control. And after that is when I started reading Franklin Vo's more than Franklin Vo and Eve Rickert's more than two. And I think around chapter seven or eight is their jealousy chapter that spoke to me very much. It hit all of the same marks that I had. So I felt much better after that chapter. And since the rest of the book was very, very thick, I put it down because I was done reading. Um, and it wasn't until 
a couple of years later that I was like, okay, I really need to read the whole book. And I have read it all now. That's why we started book club was so that I would read more than two, but yeah. that was, that was, that was jealousy for you. I, I was, I can still remember how fiery I felt inside, how out of control I felt and certain that in order to take control, I had to basically burn down everything that we had just put together. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's what jealousy is, right? That <laughs> you just described a very normal feeling, I think. Well, and how, how did you work through it that night? Or did you just like sleep it off and kind of cool down on your own? Oh, no, I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> I, I raged the whole night. I, 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 basically, I basically prepared my arguments for how I was going to address this with Rachel. And there would be holes in the argument because it wasn't what I wanted because I didn't really want this. So every time I would form, my wife is very smart and very educated. So if I need to change her mind, I cannot go into that conversation unprepared. I'm a quick thinker and I'm pretty smart too. She's smarter than me and, and she's got a sharper tongue than me. So I have to go into a, a contentious conversation ready to have it, especially back then. Because back then we didn't have some of the that we've picked up since then. Mm-hmm. So having a having an argument with her, which this was going to be, I had to have all of my quips ready. I had to have every line of reasoning. You know, I, I had to make sure that I was right no matter which way the logic tree went. Um, and, and I never was right. Every time I followed the logic tree down, I, I, I wasn't right. It, it wasn't true that Polly needed to stop. It wasn't true that... We needed to become more connected. We needed to be as connected. Again, every time I followed it through, it just, it never felt like the right answer to me. So eventually I talked myself to the point where, well, what is the right answer? Where does, where does your logic actually lead? And if it leads to, well, Polly is right, then how are you going to deal with the fact that you feel like shit about what's happening? Mm-hmm. So, so it just, I, I talked myself out of it. Yeah. It sounds like she won the argument, even though she wasn't in it. She's very yeah. good at that. She's, she's <laughs> <impressive>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to circle back, and you had mentioned um, so you have you have children, and they weren't. It doesn't sound like they were always supportive of polyamory, and I don't know how like what their ages were. So I didn't if you could touch on that and kind of how that's grown as as you've explored it. Uh, See, if we became Polly in, in in 2013, then my daughter would have been my daughter would have been 12. My son would have been about 14 or 15 when okay. we became Polly. Okay. And again, during so while especially I'm old enough to understand. Oh, absolutely. Um, so for the first month or two, there was really nothing to tell them because everything that was happening was happening outside the house. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was, was sometimes daddy wasn't home that night because the girl that I was sleeping with, she lived about two and a half hours away. So we would meet in the middle at a hotel. And so every now and again, daddy wasn't home at night, which was unusual, but nothing that really needed a long explanation. New people started hanging around the house. The guy with the motorcycle that Rachel wanted to date, um, before they had dated or even became physical, he was over to hang out. They had probably gone riding on his bike. And we had a, uh, a full couch. So it's three seats across, and Rachel was sitting on one seat, and uh, Doc was sitting on the other on the other end. And my son came home from school, 
And he walked into the room and he saw this guy there and he said, are you cheating on dad? And later that night, she told me this cute story. And I was like, no, 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 that's not cute. That's, we can't have that. We can't have them have even the thought that something untoward is going on. So we need to tell the kids. Um, And we flipped a coin and she got the boy and I got the girl. So I went and told my daughter and she told our son and we were both done about 10 minutes later. Yeah. Um, My daughter's only question was, if you date other women, are those women going to sleep with you and with mom? Are you going to have a three-way? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of hope so. (laughs) And she's like, well, where do all the parts go? And I said, well, why don't you ask me that after I can tell you? But right now, I don't know. Um, But by the time partners were actually at the house, uh, she was less interested in getting those details. Um, Moving the young lady in, especially as quickly as we did, was, was of, of everybody, my daughter did not like that very much. And her, her agency in this household was not respected by me as it should have been. Again, yeah. uh, classic NRE early first year mistakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not proud of it, but I'll own it for what it is. Yeah. yeah. And how do you, are your children supportive now? Yeah. So my son has uh, Asperger's and anxiety. So there are a lot of times where he'll cycle and he'll get depressed about things. And when he's in a low, he likes to say things like, I don't really like Polly because I think it's just an excuse that you can leave, you can leave me behind whenever you want. But on the other hand, if I say, well, if I were to stop Polly, that would mean green eyes wouldn't come around anymore. Do you want that? It would mean that Rachel's uh, romantic partner and, and platonic partner wouldn't come around. Do you want that? No, you like these people in our in our lives. You like the 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 poly community that we're growing because that leads to events like we we've been we've been trying to do a movie night on the lawn where we get uh, blow up uh, a screen and we do a movie out there and we invite the whole poly community and we'll usually get about fifteen people there. So mm-hmm. he likes those things I'm like. Those things don't happen without the poly. Like, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just, it's just us. And, and you don't like us that much. So you want those other people. So he's officially against it, but none of his actions actually lead you to, to that conclusion. Yeah. Other than sabotaging your threesomes on the 4th of July. <laughs> to, to, be fair, <laughs> to be fair, he was trying to get his own happy on that, that day. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all been there. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, well played. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I just. Well, it's I guess now. So you kind of answered. We've kind of covered the whole span of time. Um, you alluded to the fact that you have multiple partners now and, uh, you know, separate bedrooms and everything. You also, we know that you hold a bunch of different meetups and different groups. And can, I wanted you to be able to have a chance to talk about those and what's so, going on. So shortly after uh, we, 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 we hit our explosion in 2014 in an effort to learn more about poly, we looked for other poly groups. We, we Rachel went to meet up and she found a place uh, ne- I would say nearby, about 45 minutes away, they met on Monday nights and their their discussion group would run till about 10, 10.30 at night. 
Now I get up at four in the morning to go to work, which is an obscene hour, but I'm used to it. Um, and I cannot stay out till 1030 at night on a Monday night and get to work the next day. It's just impossible. So we went twice. And after the second time, I'm like, baby, we cannot do this anymore. I just, I just physically can't. So she said, okay, well, what if we, what if we held one at our house? We were able to schedule that to be on a Thursday night where I had the Friday off. So that worked much better for me. And so we created a group called the Practicing Polyamory Community. And we went to a couple of different meetup places and we posted the event. And we got about two dozen people for the first couple months. Wow. And now we get about three dozen people. And if the if the topic is right, we'll get up to about 50. Wow. And I've been told by neighbors who are my friends that uh, the street gets clogged with cars and they don't understand why I do this. But um, we, we've got we've got a, a secret Facebook group where we've got about 200 people in it um, and they'll interact and get support for each other there. Um, we do a FetLife listing because a lot of us are kinky, so it's easy to, uh, to be able to advertise stuff there. And then we have uh, a meetup group that we're starting. Uh, we, we post on a poly meetup group that's in the DAMV area. And then we have our own poly meetup group that I just kicked off last weekend. And I'm going to start putting our events on there also. Um, but we'll do, uh, let's see, we'll do, a, we'll do a regular discussion group once a month. That's the Thursday. I call that our anchor one because that's the one where we get the most people to show up. Um, I started with a kinky person who lives in the Virginia area, a discussion group that focuses on poly and it's and, and kink. So there's a lot of poly people that aren't kinky. I don't understand why, but they are apparently a thing. So in an effort to make sure they feel safe and comfortable, when we do our poly discussion group, kink is not on the table. So some guys and some girls will like to be funny and start to steer the conversations about, well, I get jealous when they start using my dildo, which is funny, but it's not where we want that conversation. So we'll steer away from kink um, in those conversations. So we have a different group that I'll run to specifically talk about poly and kink stuff. That meets down in Virginia. Um, I think I mentioned that we do book club. It's on hiatus for the summer because to, for it to be hot out and to read, I just can't deal with that. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll pick it up again in the fall. Uh -huh. um, and so this we do is all, that. Do you mind in uh, which region? You said Virginia, so you're in... I'm, yeah, we're, I'm I'm in Maryland. Our group meets our group meets at our house in Gaithersburg. Okay. So, uh, if you know the if you know the area, it's around exit ten on two seventy. So okay. it's, it's just a little bit north of the Beltway. Um, and then the the kink group is in Alexandria. Um, so that's about a forty five minute shot. And then book club will when we when we started up again, uh, there's one of the members of our community who wants to host something at, at her house. So we're going to do book club at her place and she's in Silver Spring. So it, it's kind of like I'm trying to like get all over the beltway. Um, but meanwhile, in the last few years, uh, we had people who came to our group for a while that are Baltimore centric. In fact, I think they were on one of your early podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, they create a group called pods PODS mm -hmm. and they, they run stuff very close to Baltimore in, in, in that area. Um, and then there's another woman named Libby. Uh, I'm going to screw up her last name. It's with an S. Uh, she, yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, she was at APW also. So you probably yeah. met her. We met her. Um, so she runs stuff 
down down like Silver Spring would be the northern end of it, and then she also gets into D.C. Uh, plus in D.C. proper, there's a settler named Tamara Pincus. She runs a support group once a month, and I try to attend as many of these things as I can. Yeah. Um, I, I would attend a support group about attending support groups, but I can't find one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go. I go to as many groups as I can. Yeah, yeah. So, so the story there is, if if you live in the D.C. or Baltimore metro area, and you're interested in this, you really have no reason to not find some type of resource, at least to get some information yes. and meet yeah. other people that are open minded and willing to talk with you. Yeah, and yeah. and my contact information will be in the show notes. I expect so. If people yep. have questions or want specifics, they should feel free to just reach out to me. I'm I I. I I have a card that I give out, especially to new people at discussion groups, saying if you just need someone to talk to, I I I really I I've been through so much of the shit of of getting myself right for Polly that I, I find myself I like to think that I'm a good listener and I can I can give good suggestions on how to get your mental energy right. Yeah. So I have two two follow ups on the group. So the first is, um, like, can you talk a little bit about the the impact? that building these communities has had on you and just the impact that you've seen these communities have on people in the community and specifically around the fact that like when people show up to these discussion groups, I'm assuming it's not you standing up telling people, here's how you do it. It's everybody's in there sort of crowdsourcing solutions and talking over ideas and how does, yeah, I guess. I I think, I think each group kind of has its own kind of flavor. Um, I haven't been to as many of the pods groups as as I have been recently, but I've noticed that a lot of those tend to be promoted as we're going to have the following presenter. Okay. And again, that's there's nothing wrong with that. And so, um, but there, it, I, I do know from anecdotal information that that it is still interactive. There, um, our groups, um, the the anchor event on our Thursday nights. Uh, I always joke that that's where that's where our polycule kind of processes our shit. So the topic of the month will almost always be something that someone in the polycule is like, I really need to deal with this. But the reality is, is that we found is when you leave the discussion up to the crowd, it almost never goes in the direction where you are 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 getting the information that you want a good conversation is being had but it is more like what you're saying where where the group just kind of bats everything around so we we kind of flip-flop on our topics like our next topic at the end of this month is going to be red flags and green flags about when you start dating someone new so i expect that that's going to be a pretty lively conversation but it's going to be like people throwing out new ideas of oh what about this and and so we'll just have up on the uh, screen i'll just start typing up two different lists and that'll just generate conversation and then like the down down in dc tomorrow's group that is literally like a support group it's like everybody goes around and says who they are now who has shit that they need to process and and that makes the hour and a half fly by it's usually like two yeah. or three people each month will have something they need to process so it yeah. depends on the group um our alexandria group sometimes i feel like it's more like an organized munch more than a discussion group because it's at a restaurant we're in the party room everybody's kind of just socializing until i'm like okay we need to actually start on the on the topic and then again the topic is at best a broad strokes and the conversation just goes wherever it's going to go yeah 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 absolutely well so the, the other part of that question was I, from experience, know there's a lot of people in the swinging community in the D.C., the greater D.C. 
we'll call it the DC metro area. If somebody is like thinking that they want to go more down the swinging route, would they still, do you think it would still be a benefit for them to come and be part of these conversations? Because I would imagine as we've sort of learned through our show that the conversations that get had, I mean, they're honestly, they're applicable to monogamous people. They're applicable <laughs> to just about anybody who's working on conversation skills. Anybody who's in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you think like if somebody's like, shows up and they're like, oh, we're not poly, we're thinking about opening our relationship and probably doing more of the swinging thing, but we're just, we're here to learn. How would that be received? Um, it depends on the people. There are some people that are poly that are like, yeah, if you're swinging, you're doing something very different. My, myself, personally, I try to very much live by the maxim of, you know, your kink's not my kink, your kink's okay. So whatever you're doing is fine with me. Um, I do think that the things that we talk about are very applicable to the people who do swing, particularly because if you listen to the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast, you will learn that uh, swingers often go through a lot of the emotional upheavals that poly people go through. Now, poly people are going through it almost by design, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going into a relationship where I'm going to get emotions. And if that's the, if that's the formula, then the people I'm connected to emotionally are going to have reactions to that. Mm -hmm. So in poly, it, like I said, it's by design. In swing, it's almost not by design. In swing, it's like, we're going to go and have sex and no emotions. So it's all good, right? And then ultimately emotions happen because we're people and we're not sociopaths. So so those emotions do happen. So I do think it's useful for them to come. I think it's important that if people are at a discussion group and they feel they are being judged, they should voice it and they should express that they shouldn't be judged. Um, because, and, and we've, I've hit that. I've had situations where people came to our, to our regular Thursday night group and they're trying to process the fact that that they are open. Their partner knows that they're sleeping with someone else, but the person that they're sleeping with has someone at home who doesn't know about her. Mm -hmm. And she knows that he's cheating. And is she still Polly? Mm -hmm. And I have seen the room turn on people like that and be like, you're an you're 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 helping a cheater and all and and ultimately I'm like, first of all, that's not helpful because clearly she's gonna do what she's doing. She's not going into this blind. She's looking yeah. for support. So our job in these conversations should be to support her. You can indicate it's not what I would do. You can indicate that you can't trust him to not lie to you because he's clearly proving that he can lie to a loved one. Like you can have all those conversations and help that person be supported without them feeling judged. So we work very, very hard to monitor the crowd and to, to cut off judgments like that. Because awesome. it's not right. It's not yeah. why we're here. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And Wonderful. I, yeah. We. So, I mean, thank you, for, for one, for coming on. We'll give you a minute here to, to give any final thoughts. But I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for coming on and sharing the resource of your group and the groups in the area and promoting those. And we'll put all of that information because... I think it's super helpful for people that they, they're out there, they're thinking they're isolated, and then they find out, well, holy shit, there's 17 support groups in the greater D.C. area. I know mm -hmm. I hyper, hyperbole a little bit there, but <laughs> like there, you have people in your area. And so if there is somebody listening that's got a group in their area, like, please let us know. We'd love to have you on hear your story and hear about what you've got to help people. Cause that's, yeah. that's why yeah. we're here. So, and I did know that you wanted to get one call a uh, shout out, I guess, for uh, something in the end of September. 
Yes, our September 22nd event is going to be a presentation by a gentleman I met at APW. He has a fantastic financial plan for how a poly family can can work to start building their finances together to kind of simulate what you can do when you're financially connected in marriage. You can have something Things similar as a polycule. So uh, I, he he said in at APW that he wanted to take that uh, presentation on the road. So I, I went up to him right afterwards and said, how does Gaithersburg, Maryland sound as a first stop? So on September 22nd, he's going to be here. Uh, we're, we're titling it Polyamory and the American Finance System. And, and it's a fantastic presentation. I'm very excited by it. I'm trying to get my polycule on board that this is something that we can consider doing. Um, and, and I think that the more of us that do it, uh, we'll be able to, to normalize a polycule in the financial sector. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put that information in the show notes as well. And your contact information, was there anything else that we may have missed that you wanted to get out there? Well, also throwing the disclaimer, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. That your story is super fascinating. And I would like, yeah. I like, know. Oh, there's a whole many more So we could, we could talk for like six hours, but we know you got to get up for work in like three. So we'll <laughs> I'm just disappointed you didn't ask the blooper question. Well, well I, let's do it then. Yeah. Let's do the blooper. I thought, I mean. I thought you shared enough humiliating stuff, but let's let's <laughs> no. do some more. I saved one because it was the best blooper I could think right. of. Then, please, then let's do it. Please share it. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, it's December. Uh, it's coming up on New Year's Eve. We're gonna have a New Year's Eve party. I have been dating uh, Green Eyes for about a month, and one of the people that I was dating just did not want to face that she was that that this new person was coming into the picture. And she had asked to be cordoned off from anything related to green eyes. And and I had said yes, which in hindsight was probably not the right answer, but that is what it is. To get ready for our New Year's Eve party, uh, Rachel asked me to take green eyes out for the day so that the part, the, the, the partner who didn't want to, who, who this other partner didn't have to deal with green eyes the, the whole day of cleaning. It would just be during the party time. And I, I was like, sure, I could do that. So I took green eyes to the movies. While we're at the movie, uh, before the previews start, another partner of mine sent me a good morning text. And I said, oh, we should say good morning to S2. So I put the camera up to get a selfie. And green eyes had a habit back then that whenever a selfie was being taken, she would stick her tongue out. So I took the picture. Her tongue was sticking out. I'm like, I don't know why you did that. She's like, oh, you can't send that. I go, oh, I sure can. And I sent that to what I thought was my only other, my, my other partner out of all of this. Turned the phone off because the preview started. And we were there. I think we were watching Star Wars. So three Probably. hours later, yeah. I turned my phone on. And I have about 35, 50 messages because... My other partner did not send me a good morning text. She had sent a good morning text to me and to my wife, Rachel, and to the partner that didn't want to have anything to do with green eyes. So when that partner opened her phone, when she woke up in the morning, it was to a picture of green eyes sticking her tongue out at her. And that's how I learned how important it is to check to see who you are sending your texts to. Oh, man. Yeah, I bet you had some... Uh... Uh, fun, a fun, fun New Year's Yeah, Year. I was going to say, but the party that, was interesting. 
the part the, it was a good party like i i ate crow and made my apologies and uh and that partner and i thought we had gotten things right but we actually ended up breaking up within 24 hours of that so oh, it, wow. it did not go did not go well from there yeah oh well thank you for sharing the blooper <laughs> hopefully it's what i mean it, it actually comes with a really good learning point or yeah. you know teaching point too <laughs> yeah. so Anything else? Yeah, any final words of wisdom for the listeners out there? Just just maintain autonomy. Yeah. Know know what your agency's about and and don't have illusions as to where it isn't. Like you don't own other people. You can't tell them what to do. You could tell them what you need and they can choose to to meet those needs or not, but um like the the, the lies that monogamous people tell each other about what their relationships are people in poly do it too people in poly think that because we're partners that means i get to say x and y and z even though we're poly i know we have like it so you just you just got to know that that's that's not reality mm-hmm. yeah yeah well thank you yeah that makes sense thank you so much for sharing and for i'm so glad we met you at apw and uh I, i'm excited to continue the conversation and hopefully we'll make it out to the dc area and meet you sometime we'll do a support again. group tour yeah absolutely <laughs> we'll hit them all so awesome well good luck at the september event we'll make sure to promote it and have a wonderful awesome. evening yeah thank thanks you. so much yeah I bet you thought I was still going to be talking about them drinking shrubs. <laughs> the whoreballs? The whoreballs. <laughs> By the way, it's made in the U.S. in small batches, and it's only been around for about a year or yeah. less. Well, you, so, just, you read from their website at the beginning that it was from North Carolina. Right. Well, I said Raleigh, and people don't necessarily know what Raleigh is. I know. So now I'm telling them it's North Carolina. Okay. Anyway. You, anyway, <laughs> thank you, Norm, for putting up with our bullshit. <laughs> my bullshit well and, and for coming on the show and being so candid with us we really enjoyed your interview and we hope others got a lot out of it because i think it was awesome and thank you for sharing with us secretly what happened to your son and why he went to the emergency room <laughs> sorry listeners <laughs> Anyway, thank you again to everybody for listening. Next week, we have a crazy kick-ass interview. With Jim and Karen. Who met at a sex club. Yes. Have been together ever since. Yes. And boy, has it been... Steamy? I don't know. I haven't been there. But it sound, <laughs> it sounds like it was a great time. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> it is. It, it, it was a great interview. It is a great interview. We're excited to share it. They have an amazing story. So... That'll be coming out next Wednesday. Last thing, we should mention one last thing. Yeah. One... Also, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, to, to, to see all of the things that we pander about. Yes. Including... <laughs> this last thing we wanted to mention, we mentioned at the top of last week's show, is called uh, The Enclosed. And they are a subscription-based lingerie company. And they reached out to us a few months ago and asked us to be on or do an interview for their blog. So we will put links to that in the show notes as well. And they also sent me a super fun pair of underwear. So it came wrapped in a really cute box with um, even rose petals when you opened it. It was very well packaged it was really fun to open and the underwear are very comfortable so we were able to get a discount for you um if you use the links on our website or i'm sorry you don't need to use the links on our website but there will be links there you could just have to use the offer code emma25 for 25 percent off yep and again this is actually this isn't again but 
we are not being paid to, to do this. It was just sort of an agreement where we could get a discount for you, the listener, in return for us talking about them being closed. Yeah. So now, are you done rambling? Yep. Now it's the end of the show. Do, 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 do. <laughs> You're singing ourselves. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.